0: You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, and
1: you're the best. Halford and Bruff. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is bruff. It is SportsNet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Here's the A-Dog. There he is. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. And we've got. Laddie, good morning, Laddie. Greg Ballack Hello. on the Wheels of Steel this morning. Uh, Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. I should also mention it is Monday. Mike Tanney or one of our guests today, is our Monday morning quarterback. Uh, our Monday morning quarterback is brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on fifteen screens and two giant projectors. That's how many screens, Jason? Um, 15? Mm, so close. So you can visit them online at theclaytonpublic.com. How, mi- how many is it? 17. 17. I was oh, told okay. there would be no math in this job, but... You're I making like them do s- math at 6 in the morning? Yeah. 6.02. It seems cruel You're individual. making me listen? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Coming <laughs> to
0: you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I'm going to put you on the... Um, hot seat yeah. right away. Okay. Best sports of the weekend, best game of the weekend that you watched, What was the most you enjoyed yourself? Because I feel like this is actually a challenging question.
1: It is. There was a lot that was going on. I'm going to go and defer to the NFL because that was actually the time that I was able to sit and digest. I think I got the wrong answer. You're giving me the, you're giving me the wrong answer eyes. No, no, no. I, okay. I, 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 it was, I, I'm,
0: you're not, you're not, you're not on my wavelength. I think that's the problem. Like, What went right over the weekend? Well, I know what went right. The BC Lions were terrible. Yep. The Canucks had two split squad games. Uh, Thank God we didn't have to see the one in Calgary Mm because they didn't even score a goal in that. They lose that one. Last night, you know... Great that they came back, but split squad games. I just you watch them for ten minutes, and you're like, I'm not into this. I don't care for right. This, this is just I don't know half the guys. I don't know any of the guys on Calgary. <laughs> uh, the power plays over ten or whatever it is. Like nobody seems to be on the same page. Uh, I'm now on the same brainwave. Okay, see, by the way, okay. The Seahawks lost to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't stop the run. That is just an ongoing frustration. It is so frustrating to watch a team that can't stop the run mm-hmm. and once again it was an issue uh the canadians at the the president's cup uh Corey connor's 0 for 4 taylor Pendrith 0 for 4 that's they bad the, they were the only players on the international team that couldn't secure elite like not even half a point mm-hmm. for their team uh so that wasn't great uh i have to say that for me it was probably Watching Russell Wilson struggle again. Yep. That that was the most, that was the most fun I had watching two teams play bad
1: football. I got to watch Russell Wilson struggle and the San Francisco 49ers lose. What a tremendous Sunday night football game, despite the fact it might've been the worst football game ever played on television. But I, yeah, that's, that was the one that when I went to NFL, that was the one I was most engaged with. And it had like, the game was so disgusting. The, the reactions on social media in, in real time were fantastic. Mm-hmm. The memes, the let Russ cook. But isn't that it. sad?
0: Like, uh. th- doesn't that say that the sports week weekend kind of sucked?
1: From a results-based standpoint, yes. Not a lot of things went right. I'm not going to lie. But from a schadenfreude and taking pleasure in other people's misery, as we so often do on the Halford and Breff show, that Sunday did, nighter did have something to it. Did you get to watch the Lions game? Yeah, I I saw. You know what? I saw the. I turned it on just as everyone was leaving. God, Uh, it was so fifty-seven minutes of football. There was one touchdown. It was. It was gross. That was was so bad as the Sunday Nighter. It. It was. It was worse
0: because you know watching the Lions on offense was just was just awful, and we kind of talked ourselves into Vernon Adams last week because he went into Calgary and he was fine a win like he mm-hmm. he wasn't spectacular but he was solid he was he was efficient and, and the Lions found a way to win he we, uh, i'm watching him play and i'm thinking um his receivers must be like this isn't great he he, he missed so many throws man he, and you, just, you realize i'm watching and i'm like this is this is one of the worst offensive performances I've seen from a Lions team in a long
1: time. You know the one thing that happened between Vernon Adams' first start in Calgary, which was a win, and Saturday's game, which was a loss, right? He appeared on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Ah, uh, yeah. We, is that, is that a thing? A is, do we have to shoulder some of the responsibility here? Yeah. You have to shoulder all of it. <laughs> well, I don't think so. I wasn't the one missing throws. <laughs> okay. So, as you can see, there's a lot to talk about today. We're already six minutes in. Haven't even got to the guest rundown yet. I mentioned Mike Tannier earlier. He's our NFL insider from Football Outsiders here on the Halford and Bruff Show. He's going to join us at 7 o'clock. So, we'll talk about that Sunday nighter. The classic 11-10 final. You love to see a score like that. Not a score though. There was one other 11-10 game in NFL history. Yeah, I, I noticed they. they, they in,
0: I, I bet they wanted to say on the broadcast last night, it was also awful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what those two games had in common? <laughs> anyway, uh, so 7 o'clock, Tannier's is going to join us. Uh, the, the Dolphins moved to, by the way, that was your pick, right? Remember the
0: guy that texted <laughs> in when I said, that I was gonna take Dolphins plus five and a half. Great pick. Uh, and he was like, they pay you to watch sports. I'm like, Yeah, man, I am now one and two in locks of the weeks. One and two take that in locks of the week. And I'm at I'm basically three and zero oh, because when you think about it, mm-hmm. my first two were jinxes of the Denver Broncos. It's true. You were th- you were throwing away the traditional pick for a bigger purpose. I was uh, I was actually in Miami for the game and I went in at halftime and I told the Dolphins head coach, You play Tua. Yeah, that's right.
1: All this investigation that <laughs> the NFL is doing, it's all gonna come back to this studio. They're like, There's a guy named Jason.
0: Who <laughs> you gotta and- play Tua. <laughs> How went- did you I get don't it? care if he's hurt. Yeah. We're going old school here.
1: <laughs> Concussion? Never heard of it. It was his back. You wrote the Did you see I- we- we'll play the audio later. So Tua gets hurt in this very, very bizarre win over the Bills and is wobbling on the field with what looks like a concussion and maybe some neurological issues. He goes out of the game, comes back, and leads the Dolphins to this improbable win. In the post-game presser, Mike McDaniel, who's usually pretty, he's clever and he's quick-witted and everything, you could tell he was kind of glancing down at something when he was asked about Tua. Yeah, And it was very clearly like, hey, Mike, here are some talking points. Please don't go off the cuff. Because the NFL- there's going to be an investigation now into why he was able to leave the game and come back. Mm-hmm. The NFLPA was like, yeah, that doesn't seem good. Yeah, so that's one of the things we can talk to Tanya about. There are a bunch of big games yesterday. We'll get into all that at 7 o'clock. Okay, then we're going to do go Canucks Heavy from 7.30 onward. Uh, Chris Faber from Canucks Army, Canucks Conversation, is going to join us at 7.30. So, I mean, there were two Canucks games yesterday. Theoretically, it makes sense to have two guests on. Uh, we can talk about... Hey, look, I'm hey, trying. Hey,
0: IMAC, you, you're responsible for the 4 nothing loss
1: in Calgary. Yeah, you can watch a digitized feed that's now on loop. Um, you, we'll talk to favorite at 7.30, IMAC at 8. There are f- a few things to get into, remnants from training camp as well, because remember, they were up in Whistler up until Saturday. So, uh, Nils Hoaglander seems like he's received whatever challenge, either directly or indirectly, the club has put in front of him. Uh, Ilya Makayev was hurt yesterday in the exhibition game in Vancouver. Uh, he left early. We don't know if it was precautionary or otherwise, because Bruce Boudreau had no update after the game. So there are some things to parse through with those two games. We'll talk to Faber and IMac about all that.
0: So the Canucks already have. What, what are we up to? Two injuries now: McKeever and and Besser's day to
1: day. Yeah, it's a good start. It's a good start. Um, that's. <laughs> but but the...
0: Luis got the two points. No, no,
1: no, no wins. No one. Just we get that. We, got the, we got that. That valuable. Oh, we got the
0: uh, you got the exhibition loser
1: point. That, the, so valuable <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Uh On television tonight, Monday Night Football, Cowboys-Giants. Cowboys are my lock of the week there. Uh, Hopefully, they'll put together a better primetime game than the one we saw last night. Although, it did have a good finish. I'll give it that. Uh, Jays open a huge series. You must be, like, over the moon, Laddie. This is Jays-Yankees near the end of the regular season. Playoffs looming for both and, with the cherry on top, the Aaron Judge home run chase as well. Could happen in Toronto. Yeah, that'd be amazing. It didn't happen on tickets. Apple TV, which everyone was really happy no. about. No, yeah. And there was a lot of uh uproar about that. Michael Kay almost called the game for Apple mm-hmm. TV. Did you watch Pooh uh, I didn't watch it live, but I watched the clip. I was I didn't expect him to hit two in the in the one game. That was that yeah. was awesome to see. You were like, come on, man, like two? I know. Spread them At out. That age? Come on. <laughs> uh NHL preseason action tonight. Yes, we can start doing this in what happened. New Jersey, Montreal, the Islanders and the Rangers. Edmonton and Seattle, and the Los Angeles Kings and Vegas Golden Knights. Okay, I, we're not
0: doing this. You're, you're not saying you're not wasting any time looking at the out of town scoreboard in
1: exhibition games. I'm not. I'm looking forward to the out of town scoreboard in okay, exhibition games. No more. Games. Of also, are i I now that Canada's in the World Cup, we don't have to follow England anymore, which is good. Uh, England plays Germany. Otherwise, I would have been excited about this game. But given what England has done internationally over the last 495 minutes of open play, I am not. They have not scored a goal in 495 minutes of 495 open play, minutes. so that means they've scored maybe once in a while on like a PK. Just 495 minutes of utter nothingness. It's it's embarrassing. They got relegated from Nations League Group A to B. Does they're,
0: open play mean
1: though? Like, oh, it, they don't have a goal period. I'm just saying, like, they don't, they don't have anything.
0: they not they, even they, like a not <laughs> even got,
1: like got, nothing. They got nothing. They they the the last few games under Southgate have been so bereft of even scoring chances. That it's been, I mean, they could not be going into the World Cup in worst form, to be honest. They lost to Hungary. They lost to Italy's C team, basically. I imagine that they're not going to perform very well against Germany today based on recent form. And they finished dead last in their group, so they're now relegated to Nations League B. They're in a B group now moving forward. That's Anyway, they played uh, Germany today. Italy-Hungary is the other one. So that's what's happening. We've told you everything got the guest list as well. Uh, let's not waste any more time. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll start with the Canucks. And we'll tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? We'll begin chronologically with the game in Vancouver. Uh, ben Jones, don't forget the name, Ben Jones for the Calgary Flames, uh, scores in overtime after Faz Sibley Pod and took a penalty in. Overtime, considered something of a ghost call by a lot of those in attendance. Calgary wins the first one, 3-2 in overtime. Calgary then goes on to win the second game of the split squad for nothing in regulation, of course. Um, Takeaways from these, we didn't get a lot out of Calgary, obviously, Jason, because um, the game was not televised. There wasn't a huge throng of media from a Vancouver side going there. And it was very clear from the onset that the Canucks had put forth their secondary lineup going into Calgary. More of the NHLers were in Vancouver for the 3-2 overtime loss. Again, you kind of set it off the top. I'm not really sure who gets what out of a split squad game because there are so many players that you don't know and you're probably never going to see again. I would actually wonder how many of these guys Bruce Boudreaux know to be perfectly honest prior to going into this game because you've got about two lines of NHL players and then two lines of guys that are maybe going to be in your organization.
0: Yeah, if this was game 1 of the regular season and the power play went 0 for 7, that was a thing. Uh I would be concerned and I would call a summit. I'd be like this can't happen anymore. Um but what you know Jack Rathbone is the power play quarterback. Mm-hmm. JT Miller wasn't there, so you sit there and you watch the first game of the preseason and you're trying to take anything away from it. And I, and I feel like in some ways I'm like ducking my job here, which is to analyze the games that you're given. But I, I don't want to waste time doing it. No. It, it, it's, 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 first of all, there's a rust factor, right? It's a first game. You got a lot of guys out there that are not going to make the NHL, not going to be in the NHL this season. Um, and I, I'm just not going to get upset when. I see a power play that doesn't produce but it doesn't have arguably its two most important players. Like JT Miller's right. the quarterback of it. Uh Quinn Hughes is, you know, the I mean, JT Miller quarterbacks it from, from the sidewall, but Quinn Hughes obviously the the lone defenseman on a PP one. Um Bruce Boudreau actually had some good things to say about Jack Rathbone and uh, the power play. He played yeah, <laughs> somehow. He played twenty five minutes, uh, which is good that he logged those minutes because you know, you want to give these young players an opportunity in these games when you've got a split squad and um, you got, you know, who else was going to play 25 minutes? Danny De DeKaiser? You know, right. it, it's just uh, I don't want to sit here and say, like, it's not important at all because I think um, you do want to have some good form in the preseason, especially for, for the Canucks this year where everyone's focused on their start. Mm-hmm. You do not want to go in – um, to the regular season after just a poor preseason, absolutely. But there's still time in the preseason to figure it out. Early now,
1: days of the preseason, right now. That's did, the thing.
0: So the one thing I was curious about heading into this game, oh, well, there's a few, but one main thing: how did how how will Pedersen, Kuzmenko, and Ilya Mikheyev look together? Right. And I think the answer was inconclusive because Mikheyev got hurt fairly early. He had to leave the game. Um, Petey, I guess at times looked fine, but he wasn't terrific. Got an assist on the
1: game, tying goal Ireland. Yeah. Garland I mean, with
0: the goalie pulled. But I think that's important that he did make an important play out there. Um, but the thing with Pedersen and what we need to see this season is consistency on a big picture basis in that he doesn't take half a season to get going. Mm-hmm. That's very important, Pretty but also that when he's out there, there's a consistent level of play, I don't know if we saw that last night, but again, it's the preseason. He's getting used to new, two new line mates. Uh, again, he's got the two newest Canucks and the two most talked about Canucks. It might take them a while to find some chemistry and also, Hey, it might not work. Uh-huh. You know, I, I've heard all these people talking about Bruce Boudreaux. He's like, no, he's setting the lines in game one and that's the way it'll be in game 82 or whatever, right, <laughs> you know, right, like right. that, you know, and it's. And I think we've almost gone too far in our analysis. Like Bruce Boudreau can still change these lines up in the preseason. Well, like if there's a, a chance might, he's might, gonna have to Well, he's now. gonna have to right yeah. now, right? You know. Um, so uh again, I, I'm not shirking my responsibility. I did watch the game, but it's just one of these things where you're like,
1: Yeah, it was just like a hodgepodge of split squattiness. Just a bunch of dudes out there. You've never heard that. of Mitch McLean, you're telling me? Dudes being dudes. I didn't I didn't know any of the guys to be honest. Who the guy that hit um the guy that hit in of his name Nick DiSimone. I did not know him. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right in the aftermath. But Phil,
0: Phil DiGiuseppe was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Nick DiSimone. Di he's my cousin.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, know, I know where. Yeah. We go way back. Yeah, so uh, our job, though, you bring up a good point because our job probably in terms of entertainment isn't to thoroughly break down a split squad game. It's to take the pressing questions, the burning questions, and the key points and run with those. I had two from yesterday, two games, two big takeaways. One is the Micaiah injury thing. Now, all you can say is the facts that are presented in front of you. It was a heavy hit early first half of the game. So he got it inc- as you said, is sort of like inconclusive, incomplete on the old report card. Uh, exited. Could have totally been precautionary. We don't know. Bruce Boudreaux had no update on Micaiah moving forward. The only thing you can say is that he is a guy that had a history of injuries In his time in Toronto, he had a severe wrist laceration very early on in his career, which cost him a ton of time. He had a broken thumb last season, which cost him eight weeks. None of this is related to the other. The thumb bone is not connected to the brain bone or whatever else, but it's just worth monitoring and worth mentioning. I don't think we need any more deeper analysis than that. The one conversation we can have, sorry, did you have something there?
0: Well, I was just going to say, I, I, I think, you know, uh, what,
1: what you want to have for Mikheyev too is not to be hurt for the preseason. Well, it's, it's what you're talking about, the clean preseason, right? You don't want any injuries. Yeah. You don't want any, any distractions. You don't want any contract holdouts. You never Canucks, want any of this stuff. The
0: Canucks have got to find the right fit for this guy. And there's no there's no guarantee that he's going to be on a line with with Pettersson and Kuzmenko. Um Okay, I'm gonna say something, and people aren't gonna be happy about it. But, Sweet, um, just just the comparison. Okay, uh, when Louis Erickson was signed by the Canucks, um, there was an admission from the Canucks. I remember talking to Trevor Lenuno about this a few years after Louis Erickson was signed, and he said, "We never found a fit for Louis,"
1: mm. and it, and it
0: was just and I, again, I'm not saying this is this is this is going to happen, but so so just but just bear with me the Canucks have to find the right fit for him. And in my opinion, there isn't an obvious one because, uh, and I'm not saying there isn't one, there just isn't an obvious one. Um, When I heard that uh, Mikhaev was going to play with Pedersen, I was a little like, hmm, I wonder what Boudreaux is thinking here. Why is he doing this? Because for me, one of the real strong skills of McKeef and something that he's going to bring to the Canucks that they don't have enough of is a two-way ability. Right? It's not offense. Like a lot of people are like, "Oh, he's going to score a lot of goals." Well, he's I, he might not because he doesn't actually have great finish. That was one of the knocks of him in Toronto. He get a lot of chances and he wouldn't finish them. Now, some people wondered if that was because of the injuries that he had that affected his shot. Who knows? But when I heard that he was playing with Pedersen, but then I also heard that Boudreau might use the Pedersen Petter- line in so-called soft matchups. Like he'll throw the Horvat line and the Miller line, and they'll get the the quote-unquote tough minutes, the toughs as Drance likes to call them, and then freeing up Pedersen uh, for some better matchups. Then I thought, hmm, that's an interesting way to use one of your best two-way forwards, right? So the whole idea, so I originally thought, well, maybe he'll be on a line with, I don't know, Horvat and Pearson, and they'll get the tough matchups. And I suppose that could still happen, but I think what Bruce Boudreaux wanted to do was give Pedersen the two two shiny new new toys, basically. I think there's something to
1: that, for sure. And like you said, it could be a real quick experiment where he says, I think this is going to work, and then he pulls the chute on it and it doesn't. Um, The funny thing about Mikhaev is that last year, he actually kind of flipped the script on what his first two years provided as a template. Like, he actually had a gaudy shooting percentage last year. He scored 21 goals in 53 games. And I think a lot of people were trying to figure out what exactly is this guy. Because his first two years in Toronto were largely the, he's got a great motor, he gets lots of chances, but he doesn't have the finish. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of putting pucks in at a more regular rate, far more than the first half of his career. I don't know what he's going to be on this team. Stylistically, they must have seen something that they thought would fit. And maybe it's his versatility. Maybe it's the fact that if you put him in a bunch of different situations, which he did do in Toronto, right? Like he was a guy, he could play with Matthews and another guy on the top line and not look out of place. But he could drop into the bottom six and be a good checker. Maybe that's what he'll be. But on a good team, he's probably a third liner, right? I think that's where he eventually he falls in. Yeah. And in a pinch, he's a guy that if you move up, he's not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. But you don't want him there full time. He's like, if he's the guy like that Like, are gets-
0: the Yannick Hansen comparisons... Fair. I'm
1: mean, going to need to see more of them. Yeah. Hanson had a pretty unique game and the way that he developed mm-hmm. too, right? Is I mean, he kind of willed himself into being a 20 goal scorer, but remember. But spe- speed and two-way ability and a willingness to check and intelligence. Like he was a smart player. Right. And and the Sedins kind of took him in and they put him under his wing and they're like, you will be our brother now. And well, yeah. Eventually. Kind of look like us, right? Eventually. And that then... took a long time for him to play with the Sedins. And so. I think he probably reached heights that a lot of people didn't figure that he could get to offensively, right? Anyway, I want to get to one other. Oh, we're right up against it for time. Um, mm-hmm. We are. Yeah, we're really yeah. We went along. We went long on that that analysis of the split squad game that we kind of poo pooed at the beginning of the. Yeah, that Bruff said we're not going to do. Well, and you know, we, are. We'll well, we didn't talk Macias. about the split
0: squad <laughs> game. Like uh, they did great to fight back. I know. I know. Mike had some Bruce Boudreaux quotes. That he wanted I to play. I had one. And it, and it was like, we're never going to quit. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> good.
1: I was going to play the clip. And then when it was done playing. Good to I was, hear. Check that off yeah. the off the list. When the clip was done playing, I was going to be like, look, I'm trying my best. Okay. Like, I'm trying to find something <laughs> that does, Bruce does said. looked pretty good. Did he? Well, I mean, he didn't score anything. But no, he... the
0: guy who looked good was Paul Colson. <laughs> oh, uh, well, yeah, I, yeah. That I goal mean, was great. I, I'm. I, I'm excited
1: about that. Can't Pod take Colson. that penalty in overtime, Pods. That was soft, though. That was a weak call. They had, there was 15 power plays last night. I know. They were calling ass. everything. No, Pod Colson did look really good. Yeah, no, he I was good. Was cool. And I, I only saw bits and pieces of the game in Calgary, but uh, the standout there was apparently in Nils Hoaglander, as you would expect. That was the other conversation I kind of wanted to have. And we can do it on the other side. It's fine. we got tons of time. Um, I think – what Hoaglander's done over the course of a very short training camp, obviously, and now in his first game, is a good sign, right? All the all the reviews yeah. and everything from the coaching staff, especially Bruce Boudreaux, has been, hey, I want to talk about Hoaglander. He showed up in great shape. He's pushing hard. He looks like one of our best players. I,
0: I love that he showed up in great shape, apparently knocked it out of the park from his fitness tests, showed up ready to take on the challenge. There have been a few young players, In recent history in Vancouver, that you sit there and go, this is a big season for him. He better figure it out. And then, like the opposite happens, right? They lot under the pressure. No, no, no. (laughs) Like they, they, they they would show up. Well, he, Jake, would show up to camp like out of shape. And you are like, what are you thinking, man? Your career is on the line here. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to even like this, you know you talk about this so cliche, but it's totally true. The things you can control. Well, here's one thing you can control: show up in shape.
1: Yep. No, so it's, like like it's,
0: that's checked yeah. off the list. Like, and I and I love seeing that from all.
1: I even if you want to take a step back, and I love. He's
0: like he's not like, well, oh, I want to trade out of Vancouver. Yeah, like if, like, that. If, like if you take you a, s-
1: if you take a step back in the progression here about showing up, you even have to acknowledge and realize that you're being issued a challenge because sometimes it's not direct, right? Like. I don't know if they tipped Hoaglander off at any point in the summer or prior to the season. Like, hey, Nils, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we brought in three forwards in the offseason. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been able to count from one to 12, (laughs) but you might not be in that 12. And then when he shows up the first day of camp, hey, you know, we've got these NHL looking lines here and you're on the outside looking in. But I don't know how – I mean, it's pretty direct. (laughs) He he, he replied, I thought they were going to trade Miller. Yeah, like, you know, (laughs) are are they done yet? Is Horvat sticking around? But those are – I mean, so to to acknowledge that there's a a challenge being put in front of you and then to take it the right way. You got to take this the right way, son. Like, that's, that's an important thing because it can go a multitude of ways. And you even brought up what I even think of. Young guys that are upset with their current condition in life. Trade me, right? Well, Jonathan Dolan, right?
0: Didn't We just saw Nils
1: Lundquist get traded out of New York because he's like, I'm not going to get in on the right side here. There's too many guys in front of me. Trade me. Give Mm -hmm. me an opportunity somewhere else, right? So all these things are worth discussing. We can have the discussion on the other side. We also got to get into all the NFL stuff from yesterday as well. We've got an entirely open segment coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, If you want to weigh in with your thoughts from the weekend, you can do it now. What we learned, they're going to be at 8 o'clock, sorry, 8.30. Uh, hashtag WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Dunbar Lumber Text Line is 650. 650. It is the small alternative. We are here till nine o'clock. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet. 650.
0: This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, you're the best. Brough. Jacob Heltje, Matthew Phillips, right circle to the back door, Michael Stone scores! And that'll do it, a nice one-timer from the left circle by Michael Stone, beats Archer Seelovs on the stick side. He was playing live on the Jumbotron, the, the overtime goal, did you get to watch it live?
1: So I watched the
0: first period, and that, that was it, so the first period's not overtime.
1: 6.33 on a Monday, Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. Daryl Sutter's level of enthusiasm for split-squad games came shining through in that clip. I love that man so much. Sutter? He's just, he's just hilarious. He, I mean, it's Probably it my favorite one. coach. He, probably your favorite coach. He might coach. be. Just from a soundbite perspective. Him and Torts up there. He So we were at the 2014 Stanley Cup final when the Kings won, when they beat the Rangers. And the daily media exercise for coaches, it can get a bit monotonous because they're not going to give you anything good anyway. So people are trying to ask all these off the wall questions or maybe things that go far afield to try and get a quote. And he would, on the days that he would play along, it would be really funny because he would just start telling stories about like drinking a bucket of coffee. Literally. He's like a
0: good day. I lost my glasses early this morning.
1: Yeah. Like stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) And it would just be him. It was just Daryl Sutter talking about what he does. It was like a Randy. It was like Randy Newman songs. It was like, there's Daryl Sutter talking about what he did. So he would drink a pail of coffee. Everywhere—that's how he described it. Because he drank so much coffee in the morning, he'd get up and do some ranching. Back in my day, quarters yeah. had a picture of a bee on them. Yeah, exactly. What, what two bitching, right? Nobody's gonna
0: listen to. You. Does Does Daryl Sutter before drinking a pail of coffee
1: basically sound the same as Daryl Sutter after? Yeah.
0: he's he's finished that coffee.
1: He, I think he went on to explain it was solely for uh, early morning wake up purposes, like to get going so he could do stuff at the ranch. Can range. imagine he's like, I am. Jumping out of my skin right now. I have had six Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you are seeing through time. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I'm a little excited right now. <laughs> you are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Alfred and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Three dealerships to serve you better: North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley, and Barrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. Uh, Spent a lot of time in the first half hour of the show talking hockey. This is your home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650. We are going to turn our attentions to the pigskin now, but let's start, albeit briefly, with the Canadian Football League and the weekend. BC Lions, just an egg of a game, a dud of a game, although they clinched a playoff spot with the loss. Ugly, ugly, ugly to the Calgary Stampeders on the weekend at BC Place. Yeah, just
0: uh, just really uh, a terrible performance from the offense. The, the defense held them in it gave game, I, I, I guess, kind of a chance. But the way the offense was playing was just, you know, I don't want to pile on Vernon Adams here uh, because he did play well the previous week in Calgary, uh, but he was so off. Uh-huh. You know his his pocket awareness, his accuracy on some throws. Uh, it sounds like Brian Burnham might be hurt now, which isn't isn't great either. Right. Um, it was it was really it was. You remember last week where they, they go into Calgary and I'm like, oh, I've got new life with the Lions. Like, I feel like, they, okay, they, they might actually host that playoff game. You watch that game and you're like, even if this team does host a playoff game, what is their ceiling? Because I think the most we can hope for right now, having watched Vernon Adams Jr., unless there is a remarkable turnaround, is that he just kind of manages a game okay. Yeah, like he, You know, he's, what, the, the you know ceiling what he is, is?
1: He's Geno Smith. The, you know what the ceiling is? Last week in Calgary. Yeah, That's, is that the ceiling? Yeah. And, is that the ceiling? So what you do is you try and win. How many games do they have left? Four? Five. So you try and win. Two of them against the Bombers. You try and get a home field game in the playoffs. I think you could do it with 10 wins, but you got Calgary right there as well. And, I think
0: they're going to have to win three of their last five.
1: So whatever the, whatever the math is to try and get a home game, you try and do that. You try and host a home game. You try and manage a game and get your defense and maybe some special teams. Speaking of special teams, uh, the punter. Flint-toft? Anyway, uh, 417 yards punting in one game. That kind of gives you an idea of what the Lions were doing on Saturday night. 417 nar- yards of net punting. It That's how many like... times he was back there.
0: So, you watched, obviously, the Broncos 49ers game yesterday sure from Denver. Did. Sure did. Watching the Broncos offense uh, was like the Lions game. Yep. It, it was like, It was hopeless. Mm-hmm. And, but the Lions didn't have, like, a magical last drive to to win it. That right. that was that was the difference. And I'm reaching on that magical phrase, by the way. Uh he made let, plays. Russ let, made yeah, plays. Let's get into the NFL okay. story right now. Uh, and we might as well start with that game. I really enjoyed watching it because I don't care for Russell Wilson and I don't care for the 49ers, and they both played badly. Like, I know the Broncos got the win, and somehow they're tied for first place in that division. Because the Chiefs are upset by the Colts. The Raiders look awful. Yeah. And frankly, the Chargers don't look great
1: either. Justin so, Herbert's in a little bit of pain right now.
0: Yeah. Um, and the the game between the Broncos and the 49ers, there was something like Russell Wilson set. he's never had that many three and outs in his career. It was laughable at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it got to the point, too, where even if Russell Wilson would make a good throw, it would just go right through the receiver's hands. Yep. And, but here's the thing. Jimmy G is the quarterback for the 49ers. And even though right now he might be a little bit better than Trey Lance,
1: he's still not the guy. You're seeing at times why they went out and got Trey Lance. Really, when you watch Garoppolo play. The safety running out of the end zone. The, the very uh, l- very noticeable lack of mobility. The amount of times that he got dropped trying to flush out of the pocket, especially late in that game when he took the sack near the goal line, they are a limited team with Garoppolo, and everyone knew that. Mm-hmm. The consistency is better, and you might hit your ceiling more often with Garoppolo, but the reality is, is that Lions has a higher ceiling, but you're going to see it week-to-week with them on this game. So an 11-10 victory for the Broncos. The Broncos look like a team where nobody played together in the preseason because they didn't play together in the preseason, and I really wonder... If they have if they've escaped a disaster start because they've been able to grind out two really ugly victories, they could easily be zero and three, easily be zero and three. And well, the funny game,
0: thing is, they could easily be three and
1: zero as well. That's kind <laughs> of the crazy part of it all. Their defense <laughs> they is should good. have beaten the Seahawks. The defense is good, but they make so many mistakes. And to be honest, I know that the clock management and bizarre decision making from Hackett was less noticeable yesterday, but they still cough up the football. All the time. Melvin Gordon fumbled another two times yesterday, although he made up for it, with the the late touchdown, which ended up being the go-ahead score. But they make all kinds of mistakes on offense. They have no rhythm. They drop passes. They fumble the football. They have bad clock management. All of it looks like a team that doesn't have any familiarity with one another.
0: I think the rhythm thing, you just... You just nailed it there. That is a team that has no rhythm on offense. Mostly because they're going three and out all the time. It's like, well, can't they establish this rhythm. But they just look like they they don't have any... What are they? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do they have, do they well? They
1: have no identity on offense other than we score about 16 points a game.
0: And I was kind of laughing at the uh, the, the Sunday night football crew who was talking about, like, you know, Russell Wilson's mobility. And we, we haven't seen him run much. I'm like, have you not watched... The
1: Seahawks games in the last few years, like he's still kind of mobile, but that's not his calling card anymore. I mean, he made a point of saying in the post game press release, like, I had to go out and make some plays with my legs on that final drive.
0: Yeah. Like he was. Guys were dropping balls. I just yeah. might as well just like run.
1: He was throwing it up to himself. He's like, fine, Russell do it. But he, he's not the same quarterback that I think a lot of people remember. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are thinking like 2012 when he broke in kind of Russ. And it's not that anymore. It's now a guy that. Honestly, they are looking to, at this stage of the game, because the offense looks so inept, is to keep things close and then hope he can make some plays at the end on one drive. Yeah. Not consistently, but one drive. Now, uh, you, we'll jump ahead here. You mentioned the Seahawks game. We have to do this almost by due diligence. Although, I'm starting to get signs where the Seahawks go from being like the second game we talk about to the third game we talk about. And then in the bottom of my notes, I have other for NFL, like miscellaneous news and notes. Who
0: was the Falcons running back? that uh, Cordero Patterson. He What a remarkable career. He made it look so easy at times. And I don't know if it is uh, they're just the Seahawks are easily getting blocked out of the way. Like there, there were some times where I was like, that's a big hole. And there are also times when
1: I'm like, hey, make a tackle. Just one tackle. So we brought it up last week when they got gouged on the ground by the 49ers. That they set some sort of record ever since ESPN started tracking yards after contact on the ground game. Mm -hmm. And so last week it was essentially they got there, but they couldn't make the tackles. Yesterday, uh, the gaps that Patterson was able to run through, (laughs) like you probably could have got at least 8 or 10 yards on some of those. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys are almost the same height too. Patterson, it looks weird because he wears number 84, which is a receiver's number. Mm Because he broke in as a receiver. right? And he's like tall. And then he's running out of the backfield, and he just was chewing up the Seahawks. So a career high uh, with him on the ground, 141 yards, 102 come of those in the second half. So it was Mariota did the business in the first half, got a bunch of passing yards, they got their points, and then the second half they just ground the Seahawks down.
0: Yeah, and and you were talking about how... Last week, they were talking about all the yards after contact. The Seahawks this week decided, okay, well, we're just
1: not going to make contact. Yeah, that's it. We well, you know how we'll solve this problem. We won't <laughs> even get there in the first place. That's an easy <laughs> fix. So a 27-23 loss. Uh, a Seahawks game now would not be without a little bit of controversy regarding decisions made by the coaching staff. This time, uh, it was Pete Carroll late. Old cons- conservative Pete came out in a very bad way. He decided to kick a field goal tied at 2020 late in the third quarter. They were fourth and two inside the Atlanta 10-yard line. And you know the current trend of thought in the NFL is if you're that close to the end zone and you've got an offense that doesn't produce that many drives that get you that deep into the red zone, you got to go for seven rather than settle for three. But this team is built to be conservative and to just hang around. And Pete made that decision, and that was almost more disappointing than anything else because last week if you'll remember this team took one of the biggest chances I've seen them take in a long time in the red zone which was that bizarre four running back set where DJ (laughs) Dallas was going to try and throw a touchdown pass so you go from that extreme where we're like we're going to take a gigantic gamble in the red zone to this where you decide to kick a field goal Honestly, I don't – I think at times I don't think they know what this team is. I don't think the guys on the team know exactly what they are. I think they're kind of looking in the mirror and saying, we might not be very good all year, and that could be the Seahawks season right there. So
0: it's funny. um, You know how I joked at the beginning of the season that I I want the Seahawks to beat the Broncos and then lose all their other games. Now, I was being kind of facetious there just Mm -hmm. because, like, I don't want to see that because that means – it probably means that the young players that they have drafted haven't performed well, Right. So I don't necessarily want that, but I have to admit that after that game, I was kind of like, you know what? My my heart was frustrated with that performance. My heart is frustrated with this team, but I want them to lose, man. Yeah. I watched a bit of CJ Stroud over the weekend. Ohio State, you know, put it to Wisconsin. He looks good, right? I know there were other quarterbacks in this class that people are mm-hmm. excited about. Some
1: kid who goes to Kentucky, I'm like, Kentucky? Levens. Tim, for that's former Tim Couch t- country. There, remember yeah. him, Tim Couch? Oh yeah, that 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 worked performed out. well. But you know, there's there's
0: Bryce Young for for Alabama. Even Wazoo's got a half decent quarterback, and we so, could always
1: draft Penix. Uh, pe- pe- yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, well, my guy, Penix.
0: Yeah, but but I th- I think the point is is like I went through this with the Canucks too. You know, the years that it was best for the team that they lose for draft picks, I still had trouble cheering against them. When you're actually watching the game, Uh you're kind of like, I don't want them to lose. Like I I want them I want them to win because I'm watching Uh this hockey game. It was only until recent years where I really started to to cheer for them. I actually I have to admit, like there were games I'd wanted the Canucks to lose because I wanted changes. Uh I wanted changes to the team. I wanted changes that eventually came last season. But with the Seahawks I feel like I haven't got there yet. Like, I'm still watching the game and going like, come on, Hawks, let's go. Yeah. But I wonder if that will turn as this season progresses um, because it's kind of like, yeah, this is hopeless, man. If you can't beat the Falcons at home.
1: Yeah, and, and they it, had a chance to do it. I'll say this, um, don't put this on Geno. Don't put this on Geno Smith. He threw two two, two touchdowns and three hundred and twenty five yards passing. No, I'm not putting it on Geno I know Smith. You're but I know not.
0: but I know big picture he's not the guy. Well, exactly. Right?
1: But that's the situation that they've put themselves in this year. It was we're gonna if you're gonna put Geno Smith out there and he's gonna throw for under 300 yards and two touchdowns, he's given you your chance to win. For sure. Theoretically the defense stinks. The defense stinks, they're awful. And they've been carved up on the ground in two consecutive weeks. So now you're looking at a situation where Geno's probably uh, over-delivering on what you would expect. Well, and they can't, you're, they can't run the ball either. Well, that's a problem, too. They, this is not a good football team, yeah. like at all. That, that Atlanta team that came in was 0-2, desperate for something to go right. And they made Marcus Mariota look like a top 10, top 15 QB in the first half. It was not a good performance. I do want to move on, though to maybe the game of the weekend. There was a lot of really good ones, but I think the one that everyone was looking forward to, including yourself with your savvy gambling advice, was the Bills-Dolphins game. And man, did this give us a lot of talking points coming out of it. So, Miami overcame, for the second consecutive week, a lot of adversity. Because remember, the previous week against Baltimore, they were now 21 points late and managed to stage that crazy comeback against the Ravens. Yesterday, they overcame... Uh, a, a butt punt. I don't know if you all saw this, but but a butt punt. Right in the butt. Right in the butt. Uh, so they were pinned in their end zone. Uh, I can't remember the exact time of the game. but it was late in the game. There was not a lot of space between the offensive line, obviously, and the punter who didn't mm-hmm. want to step out of the back of the end zone. And he wound up and decided to blast a punt right into the posterior of one of his offensive linemen.
0: I just thought of a great poll question. Yes. What was the funniest safety? of the weekend, was it the butt punt safety or was it Jimmy G pulling a Dan Orlovsky and just like running out of the end zone and acting like he didn't go out of bounds? Yeah, the answer is definitely butt punt. Oh, man, I'm going with Jimmy G. <laughs> I, I laughed so <laughs> hard bad. when that happened because it was it was in the middle of that like disaster of a game because, mm-hmm. you know, the Broncos fans were all over the oh, Russell Wilson and the offense and then, and then Jimmy G drops back and he's running. And I'm like – and I yell out, like, he just ran out of bounds. Ah, right there, he just ran right out, out of bounds. It wasn't like he was tiptoeing the line either. He just, like, dropped back. I'm like, hey, no. see that
1: white part? That's not the field. When you take, it, like, three or four steps out of bounds, <laughs> then it's like, okay, you got to know where you are on the field. So there was that. There was the butt punt in this game. Uh, can you get the Mike McDaniel audio up real quick? Mike McDaniel came under fire after the game. I'm top, I'll do the Miami side of things first. Mike McDaniel came under fire after the game for having Tua Vailoa come back into this game. So if you missed it, he left briefly in the second quarter after what appeared to be a fairly significant head injury. He was pushed down on a passing play. His head snapped back and hit the turf. And then when he got up... Uh, He had the sort of Bambi legs and he was staggering and he looked as though he was dazed and disoriented and didn't know exactly where he was. Exited the game, came back in with what the club called a back injury. Yes, a back injury. And ended up leading the Dolphins to this improbable victory. Mike McDaniel was asked about this in the aftermath. The answer is kind of strange. We'll let you judge for yourselves. Here's Mike McDaniel on the Tuatunga-Vaioloa injury yesterday. Now Tua, um, he went out with a lower back, um, and that was you know I uh, hadn't had that rep with him yet, um, and you know it, he kind of got bent back uh, pretty significantly on a quarterback sneak earlier, and so um, you know I was kind of with with everyone else um, when he when he hit his head on the ground. I assumed it was a head injury. Um, but uh, his, his legs got wobbly because his lower back was um, completely and uh, loose. And as he described it, it was like uh, um, he, he said his lower back, uh, it was like Gumby or something. That made no sense whatsoever. I will go on to add that not surprising. There is an investigation going on. I believe the, the NFLPA has already conducted an investigation into how Tunga Bailoa and his Gumby back and legs were allowed back in the game. Yeah, it's
0: funny, for a back injury, he was sure shaking his head a lot.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, when Mike McDaniel said it sure looked like a head injury, everyone was like, uh-huh, and then he got back in the game. So there was, that's the Miami side of things. The Buffalo side of the thing, there is absolutely no logical reason why they lost this game. They ran, I believe it was 90 plays— to Miami's 39, they out outgained the Dolphins with yardage 497 to 212. They were on the field all game. They just could not get it done, especially late. And that's what led to the Ken Dorsey flip out up in the press box, the offensive coordinator for the Bills. Well, yeah, they, they didn't have any
0: timeouts, and they ran a play that went longer than they thought it was. They thought it would. They kind of had to extend the play, and they extended the play too long, mm because they couldn't clock the ball in time to get a field goal attempt. Uh, That is got to be – that's actually got to be the most frustrating way for your team to lose a game. how the
1: Cowboys season ended last year in the playoffs. You remember that
0: play, yeah. I was watching that, and I'm yelling. I'm like, they're not going to get this off. Yeah. There's no – and the referee just, like, walking the ball back. (laughs) Yeah, because he's under no – guys. (laughs) He's under
1: no obligation to hurt. What are you guys doing
0: later today?
1: Because think about it. He doesn't run to the line of scrimmage in the middle of the game. Right, he's got. Well, the same they weren't upcoming. set anyway. They yeah. weren't set. You, you, you could tell. Well, that's why set. Dorsey was flipping out because yeah. he knew that there was enough time there to get that play done. Mm, but the ex-
0: yeah, maybe.
1: Oh, well, McKenzie didn't need to extend to run. He sh- when he got the ball, it should have been I gotta go down. Yeah. and we gotta spike this right? right, or we gotta do something other than trying to extend. Mm-hmm. And I know he was trying to get to the sideline. Yeah, but there was there were other options available. It was not a good play. So the Bills now. Uh, suffer their first loss of the season. Miami moves to 3-0 and and is now tops in the division. I'm not really sure if this Miami thing will continue because, to be honest, the last two weeks, they probably should have lost those games. When you're down 21 that late, you probably should lose. And when you're outgained that badly, you should probably lose. But lo and behold, they're 3-0 and now in that division.
0: So we're going to talk to Mike Tanier uh, coming up, a little more NFL talk before we dive right back into the Canucks with Chris Faber and Ian McIntyre. Faber at 7.30, Ian McIntyre. At eight, so there will be lots of hockey talk. Um, I will ask Mike Tannier mm-hmm. this question, but I ask you first: Who is the most disappointing NFL team this season? I'll give you some options. Okay. You can say Denver.
1: Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, okay. hold on, hold on, hold on. I had an hold answer. On, hold me. Me. Okay. I'll listen to your answer.
0: You, you could say Denver. You could say Arizona. You can say the way things have gone with Trey Lance getting hurt for San Francisco, you could say the 49ers, or you could say the Las Vegas
1: Raiders, who are now 0-3. And the only 0-3 team in the NFL. That's crazy, man.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a bad start. I mean, they were a playoff team last year. They haven't looked good. Backs are up against the wall this week, you're 0 2 and you're in danger of becoming that only 0 3 team. I have to it's gotta be the Raiders, right?
0: Yeah. I mean You know who they play next?
1: Chiefs? Broncos. Oh wow, that'll be great. The the <laughs> Bronco, honestly, the Broncos schedule, the first few weeks of the season has almost been must watch. Like, granted, they got a primetime games at the was. right? They got yeah. the, they got a Monday night or followed by like a Sunday night or two weeks later, mm-hmm. but I, it gets more compelling every single week because of the train wreck factor.
0: The you, Raiders the Raiders go Denver And then they play on Monday night in Kansas City against
1: the Chiefs. They could easily be 0 5 heading into their bye week in week six. And that's done. (laughs) done. done. (laughs) 0-5 bye week? That's firing time for Josh McDaniels. Okay. We gotta go to break. Coming up in the next hour, we got two guests. Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsider, is gonna join us to talk all NFL. Then Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation is gonna join us to talk about you guessed it. The Vancouver Canucks. Big show ahead. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff Sportsnet 650.
0: This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.